you join with me in prayer? Dear Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you for your word that never changes. We live in a, in a, in a world that changes all the time and, and not always pleasantly. But I thank you that you are exactly the same yesterday, today, tomorrow. Thank you, Lord. Fill us with your spirit now, Lord. Help us to understand and think more clearly than we can on our own. Open our hearts to you even as we open your word to us. In Jesus' name, amen. I like the book Mere Christianity. It makes me a little sad to think that so many people reading it today say, boy, it's really hard to follow. It's really complicated when it was originally primetime radio on the BBC. Um, it was intended for everybody just to listen to and understand. But it's amazing how many things strike us today as extremely profound that C.S. Lewis tended to think was baseline. But in the book Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis wrote, Every faculty you have, your power of thinking or of moving your limbs from moment to moment, is given you by God. If you devoted every moment of your whole life exclusively to his service, you wouldn't give him anything that wasn't, in a sense, his own already. So when you talk of a man doing anything for God or giving anything to God, I'll tell you what that's really like. It's like a small child going to his father and saying, Daddy, give me sixpence to buy you a birthday present. Of course, the father does that, and he's pleased with the child's present. It's all very nice and proper, but only an idiot would think that the father is sixpence to the good on the transaction. Thus, the origin of the name of the Christian group, Sixpence, None the Richer, comes from this quote. Basically, Lewis is just expanding on Paul. Paul said in Romans, who has ever given to God that God should repay him. Everything that we have is God's already. Everything we have, we've gotten from God. So that when we say, I tell you what, Lord, if you were just to forgive me all my sins, I'll do everything from this point forward to honor you. God goes, well, that's what you should have been doing all along. That doesn't pay for your sins. To do everything right, to give me everything, pays for nothing. That was mine already. Something has to come in from outside that system to pay for your sins. I like that Paul continues on. He says, who's ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Everything belongs to God. Everything. Because he made everything. And everything was all, always intended to point back to God. It's an awesome concept. I don't know that I don't know that I always think of it. I don't know if you always think of it. Everything in this world, everything in your life was originally designed and created to point us back, to point everything back to God. Everything. Everything was designed to honor God. In Colossians Paul said, "For by him all things were created, things in heaven, things on earth, things that are visible, things that are invisible." whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things, everywhere, everything, all things were created by him and for him. David sang in Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Creation itself, even the inanimate parts, actively point to God and his glory. 
Another psalmist in Psalm 96 says, let the heavens rejoice, let the, the earth be glad, let the sea resound in all that's in it. Let the fields be jubilant, everything in them. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy. They'll all sing before Yahweh. And not just in this world, but everything everywhere. In Psalm 148, we're taught, praise Yahweh from the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. And praise him, all you shining stars. And praise him. You get the repetition? Praise him, praise him, praise him. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Praise him. Let's praise the name of Yahweh. For he commanded and they were created. All things created by him and for him. All things in this world to point us back to him and give him honor. Everything. Which is why those in heaven continually sing in in Revelation 5. Can't speak. Revelation 4. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Multiple verses in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, in Psalms and Paul and John. How many times does the Bible have to say something before it's true? Once. And you have all these verses from centuries and centuries of life saying the same thing. Everything in this world, everything in your life, originally designed and created to point us, to point everything back to God and glorify God because he's the one that made it. And if that's true, and I I think it is, I think that has some applications for us. I think there's stuff worth thinking about. For those of you going, yes, you pounded your point. Great, good, I hope I did because the rest of the sermon is based on everything I just said. I'll give you four different applications. I'm even going to number them. I never do that. This is because I love you. Yes, clap, Cameron. (laughs) First one. Last week, we reminded ourselves that we've been given stewardship over all of this, right? But this reminds us it's stewardship, not ownership, right? Ultimately, this isn't our stuff. I mean, it's part of the inheritance overall, but overall, ultimately, this is God's stuff. We've been given stewardship, and we we should thank God for that. But it's not ultimately ours. It's his stuff. It's his world, his creatures, his sky, his stars, his moon, his... Well, even Paul said, you are not your own, right? You are not your own. You were bought with a price in 1 Corinthians. So what does that mean for you on a Tuesday? Not just when you're being theological on a Sunday morning, sitting in a pew, and you're forced to think like this. What does it mean on a Thursday afternoon? Technically on any day that ends with a Y. What does this mean as to what you should live like? Because none of the stuff that we say here on a Sunday morning is for Sunday mornings, is it? There's 168 hours of the week that we should be living this stuff out. It means on Tuesday, you can't judge your day as your day. Not ultimately. It's not your job. Aren't there verses in Scripture that say, do your work as if you're working to the Lord, right? It's not just your job. It's not just your body. You were bought and paid for the price. It's not just your family. It's not just your, it's not just your temper that you're losing. 
not just your witness, your friendship, your embassy. All these things are created by God to point back to and honor God in how we use them and how we live them out. Just like everything, everything was designed, right? So on a Tuesday, those yahoos at the restaurant messed up your order, right? No, technically speaking, if you really want to get correct about it, beloved children made in the image of God messed up the order that you made with your mouth that was created and intended to honor God with what you do with it and how you treat one another with it. And you paid for it with money that was given to you by God so they could point back to and honor God and the blessings he gave to you to use it for. Should that affect how you respond when those yahoos at the restaurant messed up your order? When they put mushrooms on a food that was intended to be eaten by a human. Do I lose it? Do I sit there and I bark at them and I yell at them and, I bow and, I bow and I'm so upset and those people... I... Those beloved children made in the image of God to honor him gave me food that God blessed us with covered in mushrooms that are a result of the fall. But <laughs> my mouth and my heart responding to these people were intended to be an embassy. My words were intended to be edifying, positive. And if my words are ever to cut somebody down, it's only because perhaps they're sinning and they need surgery. And I need to stop and pray really hard as to whether or not I'm qualified to be the surgeon there and how blunt my scalpel is and why I'm doing it. Because if I attack the very people that God intended to be a blessing, if I speak with the very mouth that God intended to be a blessing, if I forget that everything was intended to honor God and to point back to God, for me to use to point to God for you, I don't care what they did. I've done a disservice. I've sinned. And I don't want to play games with that. It should change how you react to the everyday. It should change you. Because the second application, all this stuff that was created by God to point back to and honor God, yeah, we broke all those toys, right? We screwed all of this up. None of this is the way it was supposed to be. None of this is the way he designed it. He designed it and he created it to be perfect and he called it good and we broke the planet. We broke the creatures within it. We broke the relationships. Remember those beautiful seas that God created and called good? They're polluted, right? Those animals that were created to be in perfect relationship, they're predator and prey now. Those mountains and rolling hills, yeah, we're increasingly depleting them of resources. Those beautiful, pristine skies, yeah, we've made them all smoggy with man-made smog. And we've got, what, 8,000 pieces of man-made satellites floating around as junk in the atmosphere. That's what we've got. Brothers and sisters made in the image of God, warring against each other, jealously fighting over all the little shiny rocks that we can dig out of the mud. The people you're closest to, oh, my brother, my sister, the first couple of chapters of Genesis say we screwed that up, right? 
the relationship between husband and wife, the relationship between brothers. We've botched all of this. Everything that God declared good, we messed up. We tainted it. We abused it. And then we shake our heads and say, how could a loving God let that happen? He didn't do it. The only thing he did wrong was give you free choice. And I think he had a reason for it, so I'm not going to call that wrong. We can't look at anything in this world and call it good the way that God called it good at creation. I've said it before, and it's a hard concept for people to wrap their heads around because you tend to want to go to two extremes. But everything here is varying shades of rotten. Everything here is varying levels of broken. Everything here is varying stages in the process of entropy. It's all like that. It's just you don't see it that way because you have no basis of comparison. It's a slightly less smoggy day. And so you go, ah, blue sky. You know, it's brown. It's bluer than it was yesterday. It's kind of a blue-brown. That's blue. So I say, oh, no, it's all broken. We tend to sit there and go, well, I hate sunny, I hate rainy days. I want a sunny day. And you go, there are no sunny days. Not compared to what it'll be like when God is the sunlight. Everything that we look at and say, this is a good day or that's a bad day. I'm not being negative. I'm not being nihilistic. I'm being theologically realistic. It's all broken. But I'm trying to be constructive because otherwise you can too easily judge one day or another as simplistically, that was a good day. That was a bad day. He's a good person. She is an evil person. And none of those things is that simple. Because everybody is created in the image of God. And everybody has tainted that. Is there anybody that's purely good? I don't care how beautiful your children are. No. Is there anybody who's purely evil? No, Hitler loved his dogs. No. There's no perfect day. There's no horrifically bad day. It's all varying degrees in a relatively narrow patch. When you realize what hell and heaven will be like, this is a very narrow window. Boy, we spend so much time judging this very narrow window. So much time. And it is so much more constructed to say, wait, if, third application, if all this stuff was created by God to point back to and to honor God, and we broke all those toys, so it's all varying degrees of broken, then perhaps this overly simplistic, good day, bad day, good day, good person, bad person, I want this, not this, not that. You know, really? You are debating between eggshell and off-white? Yeah, I will go to war. That is eggshell. No, it is off-white. You've never even seen red. It's just eggshell, off-white, eggshell, off-white all the time. Maybe instead of being so negative or so judgmental or say Kevin's being such a nihilist when he says it's all broken, maybe instead of saying, yes, it's all horrible, you go, wait, if it really is just this narrow, if it really is just eggshell and off-white, and I'm thankful for the eggshell. Can I still be thankful for the off-white? Maybe it changes my judgmentalism just a little. Because the fourth application, if this stuff was created to honor and glorify someone, and we broke and misdirected all of it, if we're not careful, we'll make it all about us won't we? About whether I think it's a good day or 
I think it's a bad day. But whether it made me happy or not, the seas are ours to plunder. That land is ours to conquer. This relationship is about bringing me joy. And if it doesn't, I'm abandoning it. It's about me, isn't it? Instead of being about God. If the whole creation had a purpose, it doesn't just exist. You don't happen to be sitting on a world that happens to be spinning. It was created for a purpose. And we remove God as that purpose, even functionally, you will fill it with something, won't you? And you'll fill it with your brokenness, with my brokenness. If creation was perverted by our sin, then its purpose will be perverted as well. I don't want to do that. As Christians, you don't want to do that. None of us wants to bring that to fruition, which brings us back. I've got to back up to application three then. Instead of being so enamored with this place that we see it and expect it to be good instead of broken. I expected today to be awesome and it wasn't. We can, we can say, oh well, place is broken. People sin, whatever, it is the way it is. That's dangerous, I don't want to do that. I don't want to just shrug and say, people will be people, boys will be boys. It's just the way it works. Oh, well. No. And yet, I don't want to go the opposite direction and say, it's a horrible day if it didn't meet my expectation today. I confess I go there. Do you ever go there? This is not what I intended to do. I did not intend to spend all day fighting my own computer. This is a horrible day. Are you familiar with the term first world problems? I couldn't get the printer to work on my computer, so I had to email it to somebody and have them print it. (sighs) Life is so hard. She's starving. I know, but I couldn't get the printer to work. Instead of seeing all this as our stuff, my printer, dropped here to make me happy, Instead of being lost in this downbeat realization that, wait, it doesn't just revolve all around me. Instead of being depressed or focused on, maybe we should just be grateful for all of it. I'm grateful for when my printer does work. Why should I be printing things in the first place? Why do I have a computer in the first place? Do I honor God with that thing? Maybe I should thank God for the morsel of bread that I eat. Well, I'm still a little hungry, but you've got a morsel of bread, so you're not starving now. Can you thank God for that? I say that because people have a problem. We have a genuine problem with what Paul told the Thessalonians. People, Christians, have a problem with this. 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul says, be joyful always. I'm sorry, when are you supposed to be joyful? He's wrong. So you agree. You agree that all all times you should find joy. And do you agree because you're sitting in a pew on a Sunday? Or do you agree because you go, yeah, no, I mean, that totally makes sense. It's hard. Pray continually. I'm sorry, when are you supposed to be talking to God? Continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. I'm sorry, when are you supposed to give thanks? In what circumstances? I will say, even in putting this sermon together, it's amazing how many people, as I was reading commentaries and different things, how many people are like, okay, it doesn't really mean that. It can't mean that. 
Not really. Pressure means that. And why are you supposed to do it? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus, which is illogical, not situational. Give thanks. Why? Well, because everything's good when you know that's situational. Give thanks. Why? Because God will give you nice things and that's situational. Give thanks. Why? Because it's God's will that you do so. That's theology. And I started all this by saying, I'm pretty sure theology doesn't change. I'm pretty sure God's character doesn't change. It's not situational. People really struggle with that last verse. Because how can you give thanks in really, really bad circumstances? How can you give thanks in the midst of cancer? How can you give thanks when your baby dies? How do you give thanks when your marriage is crumbling? How do you give thanks when your nation gets invaded? Okay, it doesn't really mean that you give thanks in those circumstances. It can't mean that, can it? Can it? How can it? Well, one way is remembering that belabored application number two point. It's all broken. It's it's eggshell and off-white. It's all that. It's not like there are good days and bad days. It's just varying degrees of stinky. It's varying degrees of smog. Oh, look, I can actually see blue sky. It's sunny. No, not exactly. Another more accurate way of looking at this is by reminding ourselves that giving thanks is not about the circumstance itself. It's about honoring God within the circumstance, which, if I'm remembering correctly, is why everything got made in the first place. Every circumstance you'll ever get, that that was made in the first place not to be good or bad for us, pleasant or unpleasant for us, but to honor God and point us back to him. That's what it was made for. And if everything was made for that, then we can honor God in everything, if only by giving thanks. Because the truth is, let's be honest, we tend to be stingy in our thanksgiving. And we dole it out to God only on those days where we decide he's earned it. Or am I wrong? Today I can give thanks. Yesterday I couldn't. There was nothing to thank God for. He didn't do his job. But today he did something. I want to give him thanks. I don't want to be stingy. I don't want to do that. Because I, I don't want to forget that he's always good and always loving and always righteous and always doing wonders and always engaging with us and always worthy of our thanks. It's we who've screwed up our days. It's we who did that, not God. Today, this is the day that the Lord has made that Yahweh made. I want to rejoice and be glad in it. Why? Because it's a good day? Oh, we messed good up long ago. (laughs) But this is the day that the Lord has made. Regardless of how smoggy I've made it. If you want to know what that looks like, look at the Pauline letters. To the Ephesians, Paul said, be filled with the Spirit. Don't just rest on your ability to do this. Your perspectives, your ability to discern the world around you. Stop and not be driven by natural reactions and natural circumstances. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, praise songs, doctrinal songs, songs that point us to God. Sing and engage with one another. Sing and make music in, the, in, in your heart to the Lord. And here's the kicker. Always when? 
always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. I'm sorry, for what? Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And people say, but how am I supposed to thank God for this? And you go, he didn't say thank God for everything, but in everything. You don't have to say, oh, I got, I shot a nail through my foot. Thank you, Jesus. No. But man, that could have been so much worse than it was. I could have shot the nail through my skull. Next time, maybe I won't shoot a nail through any part of me. Maybe I've learned something. Son, look. Look what Dad did. Don't do this. I thank God that I have the opportunity to show Alex how not to shoot himself in the foot. Can I thank God in everything? Because he's the one who made everything, and no matter what that everything looks like or feels like, relatively speaking, we can always give thanks to God because that's what everything was created to do in the first place. If I remember correctly from Isaiah 43, that's what we were created to do in the first place, is to glorify God in everything. Paul even told the Romans in chapter 5, we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope doesn't disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he's given to us. We're not just the sum total of our natural reactions and our natural circumstances. But we can straight up rejoice in the suffering, not because we like the pain, I don't want the nail in my foot, but we can appreciate what God is building within us within the pain. We can appreciate the embassy that we're given to people, that we can show somebody in the doctor's office. We can show somebody at Walmart. We can show somebody at, at the restaurant. We can show somebody how a Christian responds to this. When I was in college, we always made it a point that when a bunch of us would go to the to the restaurant together, we always made it a point, because I, I, I remember being a server and seeing people just trash a table. We're like, we're gonna we're gonna clean we're gonna clean the floor, we're gonna make sure that everything is, is cleaned as much as we can, we're gonna make it as easy on the server as possible. We're gonna show them utmost respect so that they sit there and they go, Oh, we don't like it when the frat guys come in. We love it when you people do. What's different? And we go, because we do this as unto Christ. It matters. And I want to show you. But I also want to show you what a Christian does when you put mushrooms on my food. I want to show you what a Christian does right. And I want to show you what a Christian does when things go wrong. I'm not saying I'm perfect at that by any stretch. But isn't that an embassy as well? Can I thank God that he gives me an embassy to show him to the people around me? We can straight up rejoice in this, giving thanks not for the circumstance, but for the God whom the circumstance was created to honor and point back to in the first place. Because let's face it, we stink at judging what we should do. We stink at judging whether or not the world works the way it wants to. We, We know what we want, but what we want changes from day to day. Is J.K. Rowling a liberal hero or a liberal villain? Oh, she's only one or the other. 
And this, and many of the same clumps of people are like, well, yesterday this, today that. We're fickle. Um, Greta Thunberg, our patron saint of the environment. Israel is one of the greenest countries on the planet, right? So we affirm Israel. Or do we vilify Israel because of what Israel's doing in Gaza? Recently, she grabbed the microphone and said, it's, it, it, we don't want environmentalism unless it's within a free country. And somebody took the microphone away from her and said, uh, we're here for the environmentalism part of this. So is she right? Is she wrong? Is she fickle? We are not the best judges to decide how God should be running the planet. I'm reminded, I'm, I'm reminded of the guy that complained that God doesn't know what he's doing. He's like, look, look at the, look at the oak tree. A little bitty acorn on this big old branch. This branch that could hold several pounds and it's holding this little itty bitty acorn. Then look at the watermelon over there. It's on this spindly little vine that could never possibly hold its weight. God doesn't know what he's doing. If it were me, I'd put the acorn on the spindly little vine and I'd put the watermelon up with the big strong branches. And the moment he said that, an acorn fell off and hit him in the head. God knows what he's doing. Even if you say, well, if it were me, and you go, if it were you, this would work so much worse. Do not trust me. I don't do this right. You don't do this right. I don't want to judge which days God deserves my thanks. I want to give him my thanks. We're told in Philippians 2, do everything without complaining or arguing, which we're usually fine with so long as there's nothing to complain or argue about. But what would happen if we actually did what the Bible tells us to do and instead gave thanks in everything instead of complaining and arguing? What if we saw every day, every circumstance as an opportunity to honor God and point back to him, which is what it was designed for, instead of complaining and arguing? What does Paul say two chapters later? Rejoice in the Lord always. When? In fact, he repeats it. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness, your put-up-withness, your let things roll off your backness, be evident to all. Why? Because the Lord is near. He's right there with you. He's walking with you. You are his ambassador, and he's better at this than you are. So don't be anxious about anything. No stress, no complaining, no arguing. But in everything, in which things? In everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. What circumstances are you thanking him for if you're thanking him as you're laying those circumstances at his feet that need his attention? By definition, you're not. You're not thanking him for the circumstances. You're thanking him for him. And as far as I can remember, him doesn't change. He never stops being him. Circumstances may change. Lazarus was brought to the dead. They're brought back from the dead. He's brought back to life and then later died again. The circumstances, the greatest miracles, circumstances still change. God is still God. He's still him no matter what. So if I'm supposed to be thanking him, I want to be thanking him for him, which means that I can always thank him. 
for everything because he doesn't change. I can thank him in everything like it was created for. I'm thanking him for being a God who loves us and who talks with us and answers prayers with wisdom and wonders beyond my imagining. And the peace of God, Paul says, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus because how couldn't it? If you remove circumstance from the board, if your circumstances no longer govern your attitude, if you can be thankful to God regardless of circumstance, how could you not find peace? This isn't trite. Hopefully nothing that I'm saying is here is trite. It's saying that peace isn't based on circumstance or changes in circumstance or improvements in circumstance. So you go, look, blue sky. No. That's us-based rubrics. I don't want to do that. Your peace, your peace is based on the character of God that never wanes and never breaks and never changes. I love how Paul brings this home a few verses later. He gives this offhand comment that I don't know why everybody on the planet doesn't just jump on this. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. If that isn't a commercial for an infomercial, I have no idea. He's like, what, seriously? Yeah, yeah, I, I figured out what the, what the secret is. I will pay good money for that. You just have to keep reading what everybody in the world is looking for. How do you be happy regardless of what your circumstances? How do you find joy regardless of how you feel today? He says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I know those two different circumstances. I, I've learned the secret. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I've learned the secret. You want to know the secret? The entire world should say, yes. I've learned the secret of contentment in life. You want to be joyful for the rest of your life, regardless of the circumstance? Paul says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And we take that verse, embroider it on a pillow, and say, I have superpowers because of Jesus. I can do everything. It's not what Paul is saying. It can't be what Paul is saying grammatically. What he's saying is, I don't have to do everything myself. I don't have to do it in my own limited abilities and inabilities. I don't have to lean on me because I stink at this and I'm a broken crutch. I don't want to lean on me. I don't have to do it through myself and my own strength. Instead, I can do it all through God, through his strength. Everything I do, I can do through him in everything that I do. Even when I do it in broken ways, because I'm broken, in everything I do, and it's always broken, in everything that I do, I can do it to honor God. I can point myself, I can point you back to God in everything. And if I can remember correctly, that's why everything was created in the first place, wasn't it? I don't have to do it myself. If I truly embrace the idea that this whole place, including me, is broken, then I say, I don't want to do it all in me. But I don't have to. I don't have to. I can do everything that I do through God. I can live this attitude of gratitude in everything. Because it's, remember application four, it's not all about me and my preferences and my expectations and my disappointments. It's not all about me. Instead, number three, 
my gratitude can be focused on whether or not I see God being the source of my blessings, not whether or not I see the blessings that I was wanting. I can look at the source and say, he never changes. And he's the one who blesses me. And he can bless me in anything, even if I just put a nail through my foot. Because, number two, none of this stuff is any good. None of this stuff is shiny good or heinous evil. Not the way we make it. It's just broken. And yet all stuff that God created to honor him and to draw us back to him. And that has to start with me. It has to start inside me. Because, number one, all this stuff, everything here that I enjoy, even the broken stuff, all of this, everything I don't enjoy, all of this is God's stuff, not mine. And I've been told to steward God's stuff, the stuff I enjoy, the stuff I don't, what I do with it. Isn't that what a steward does? What you do with it is what honors the owner, right? God says, all this stuff. And you go, but it's all broken. He goes, yeah, you broke it. But all this stuff, steward it. Honor me with what you do with all this stuff, including the broken stuff, the stuff you called a bad day or a bad thing. Honor me with what you do with that. With what you do with that. You can still honor. So my thanks should be based on what he thinks I should thank him for. If it's his stuff, my thanks should be based on what he thinks, not on what I think. And he seems to be thinking that I should be giving thanks for everything. As King David was turning his kingdom over to his son Solomon, he gave his personal fortune to um, support the building of the temple. And he encouraged other people in Israel to do the same. And by today's prices of precious metals and precious gems, they gave over $200 billion to the temple. Just said, this is God's stuff. And I love in First Chronicles, David saying, and he praised Yahweh in the, in the presence of the whole assembly, and he's saying, praise be to you, O Yahweh, God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Yahweh, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. He says, now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what came from your hand. I haven't given you any of my stuff. I just gave you all of your stuff. Over $200 billion of your stuff I just gave back to you. I know it's only paving stones in heaven, but it's everything I have here. It's all the shiny rocks that we fight over in the mud. But in everything, I want to give God everything. And I want to give thanks in everything. Not tritely, but because I understand what I'm looking at when I look at the world around me. And I understand what it is that God called me to be. Does that make sense? Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you that We are not just the sum total of our senses. I thank you that... I thank you that as good as the best day of my life has been, it'll be a horror compared to the first day of eternity with you. And some of those days were really nice. So that gives me amazing hope.
for what eternity will be like with you. Be glorified, Lord, as I begin that walk now. In Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen.